get it. Welcome in to Paydirt Sports. This is Will Dundon here with Nick Trucial and Seth Coggin. Paydirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Boys, how's the weekend? Should we jump right into it? Jump right into what went down as far as the madness goes? Yeah, yeah was that was kind say. of my weekend anyway. Yeah. Jump was, into I the mean, madness. Yeah. It was uh, technically not still dancing. You know, last week I came on, I was still dancing. I was still dancing. We got a few extra days in. See, the weekend started off, you know, as about as electric as possible. You get the whole buildup. Hogs traveling out to San Francisco. Number one overall seed, Gonzaga. What an opportunity. And the Hogs took care of business. For 40 minutes, pretty much, you know, were the better team looked like, played harder and, and played better, and kind of took it to Gonzaga. Uh, took it to Chet. Took it to Timmy, took it off to all their stars. We just kind of out physical. We were just kind of a little bit tougher. It was awesome. Awesome. But that is that is the the Ides of March is that one night on Thursday night, you're on top of the world. Just beat Gonzaga. Like overall number one seed, the hogs just beat them. I just watched them and just dominate them. And then you gotta face Coach K. And you know, the 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 almost the, myth, the mythical creature coach k and duke and duke and duke has just been there every year they're always they're always around and finally you know but the hogs had an opportunity and you know played with them for a little bit but but lost a tough elite a tough elite elite eight game but it happens sometimes you know you're right there you know, hopefully you can finish, you know, you only get so many of those elite eight opportunities. Hopefully you can finish a few and, and at least punch a ticket to the final four. But man, that was a tough squad in Duke. They ran up to that. That Duke team is playing. They're playing real, <laughs> really strong. Dude, they were just playing smart. It seemed like, especially in that I hadn't really watched Duke a lot during the tournament, but in that Arkansas game, it was like everything just looked like it was drawn up and they were just executing super well. And that's what it came down to. I felt like, Arkansas just got kind of – who's number four? What's his name Devo, on Arkansas? Devo Davis. I feel like he was just out of control for, like, a lot of the game. And I remember – because I think when I was watching the Baylor game with you, Seth, last year, y'all were – you and your dad were getting upset and talking about how he loves to do the the jump pass. Like, he'll go up like he's shooting and then just at the last second throw it off. And I swear I saw him do that four or five times. And I'm like, gosh, what are yeah. you doing, man? That is like, I mean, even early on, I remember playing like church rec league ball in middle school, like coaches saying, yeah, don't leave your feet with the ball. Don't leave your feet with the ball unless you're shooting. So kind of being out of control and jumping around like that. uh, Usually not a recipe for success leads to a lot of turnovers for sure. But yeah, Seth, what's the, what's the feel around hog nation? I mean, back-to-back elite eights and you beat, I mean, you beat a number one seed too, that a lot of people were picking to either win the whole thing. Or, I mean, if nothing else, I mean, you got, I don't, I don't know how tall Timmy is, but obviously Holmgren, like a seven footer that can run the court. I mean, you had some great wins. Yeah. Another really exciting March for the Razorbacks. I mean, in my entire lifetime, Arkansas is a really good program with like a lot of backing, a lot of funding, a lot of, you know, they have all the tools and they need to succeed and a huge fan base. But in my entire lifetime, we hadn't even been to the sweet 16. And, you know, that's coming off the mid nineties when they were final four in like three out of six, three out of five years, Yeah, you know, one, a national one, a natty and were runners up the year after 
to like all of a sudden have this drought of success where like we can't get past the first weekend. Like we hadn't, we hadn't made a sweet 16 in my life. And so now we've made two straight elite eight runs. Like, you know, yeah, it sucks to lose to Duke. Like it really does, but man, Holy crap. We had a chance to go to the final four on Sunday. Like we're yeah, right there. And, and our recruiting class is number two in the nation right now. We Ooh. might possibly add another five-star that actually is about to happen. It may be happening right now. Anthony black. See, he was a guy, he was on the fence between Gonzaga and Arkansas. Those were kind of his last two schools. So that was almost like a last statement to him. Um, we're, in the NIL era, like we seem built up, built uh, to succeed. That's what a lot of people are taking seriously around here. The the fact that that may provide Arkansas a better chance uh, to kind of even the playing field. Um, I don't know. It feels good. Mus is just built kind of a monster. Like he's he's really built a program that's kind of Dangerous. done really done really well and actually is about to make kind of the next step. Because he's been, I mean, we had a, 11 new players this last year. Like, he obviously can retool something. And now we're going to have and, – and those guys were just kind of a mix and match of guys. Like, this year we're having, like, a great – like, actually more talent into that system, into that kind of, you know, program he's building. Um, it's pretty good time to be a hog. I can't lie. Pretty exciting. Uh, last team in the SEC standing again for the second year in a row. Uh, that's not That's not nothing to be said, so – we're pretty pumped. Mus has got us rolling, so we just got to keep it going. Like, keep the steam on at this point. Like, go farther next year. Just amp it up. Like, there's still there's still room to grow. Like, we're not natty champs yet. Like, <laughs> we ain't hit the we ain't hit the ceiling yet. We know we can win it here. Like, it has been done before. So why not do it again? And maybe why not maybe us? Do, wait, maybe do more. Like, what if what if Arkansas ran it back and became one, two out of three, two out of four becomes just hey. <laughs> No, this is the place, man. Two out of yeah, three I mean, or two out of four elite. would be insane. It would like, be insane. I, it would I, be insane, I, I hope, but why I not? For it. If, yeah. if the Vols don't win, I'd uh, I'd be rooting for the Hogs. So what if the Vols and Hogs split the next four? I'll split them. <laughs> that I'll was, split them. I'll split I, them right now. Two yeah, and two. I'll I I will we'll I will make that, that trade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Hogs and Vols split the next four. Well, that's I'll what I mean. It. Y'all are in such a good I mean situation because Musselman not not like old or anything is lo- loves Arkansas. I mean, he's not going anywhere. Back-to-back elite eights went a lot farther than anyone else in the SEC. So, I mean, you're in really good shape there, obviously. But you you said something, and this is off topic, but it just made me think of it. How do you think a like a team like Gonzaga is going to do once like NIL stuff gets into full effect? Do you think Gonzaga still has like the the backing, especially, I mean, they're mainly, they're just going to focus on basketball. Do you think that's going to hurt them at all? Or do you think they'll be able to ride it out kind of with all the other big schools? I personally think their basketball program alone can probably withstand it and kind of rise above and still compete on the high level just because, you know, basketball is a very limited roster um, and very high exposure sport. So I think that program alone can sustain, um, pretty good i mean continued excellence they've been i mean they've been great for a long time yeah they don't they don't have a they don't have a single ring to show for it yet but they've been really good for a long time um so i think i think their brand itself is high enough like elevated level enough where it's still beneficial for athletes to go there and and hoop there 
Yeah. And I think kind of as the program has sustained the success, they've also got backers. I mean, you guys, you -hmm. you got John Stockton, that dude is going to be willing to put money in uh, NIL deals for Gonzaga. And um, I think just like you said, Seth, Mark Few and that crew out in Gonzaga has built such a, a household name program for basketball that I think while maybe they won't have the funds that Tennessee or Arkansas or A&M or Nebraska or some of those schools will have, but since they're just going to be so hyper-focused on that basketball aspect, um, they're going to be able to to hang in there, I think, with uh, some of those big dogs. But- yeah, and then so we've got obviously the Final Four coming up as well. Kind of turns it. I, I think this is funny because I feel like it happens more often than we think it does. Where you have a final four of essentially top, all top two, three seeds, pretty much all blue bloods. If you consider Villanova blue blood, I know, which I, I mean, I kind of do. They're just yeah. newer to the blue blood. Like it, it, besides not being good a long time ago, they have like the same amount of. I think they have the same amount of natties as Kansas does. Don't quote me on that, but I think they do. Um, but yeah, you got Duke, UNC, Kansas, Villanova, and it seems like it is just drawing up to be a storybook ending for Coach K, and I don't think I can handle it if that's how it ends up. Yeah, that's what uh, my dad and I were talking about this morning, um, just kind of talking about the storybook ending that it, it almost seems written – Already written out that Coach K finished his career with a national championship. But uh, there's one man named Hubert Davis that is going to be standing right in front of Coach K's way. He's right standing right at the gates of hell, facing the devil himself in UNC or uh, in, in Duke uh, and Coach K. And I honestly believe that those players and seeing that moment after UNC won the game where he's tearing up, his players are going crazy. I I, even, I got more faith in UNC on this one, and uh, I, I'm calling for an upset here. I think it, it's almost turned into too much of a deal for Coach K. It's turned into too much, and it's going to go it'll kind of go to their head. Um, I mean, it's certainly it, the the revenge aspect to it as well is going to be interesting because UNC obviously beat uh, beat out Duke, but. With the stakes so high, playing for a national championship, I, I feel like you can almost throw that out the window. I mean, the these teams and these guys are ready to go. Um, and I, I just think UNC is going to want it more, and too many people are on Duke right now. It's what uh, UNC plus four, I'd take that all day. I like it. I think Duke, right now, I think Duke is better. But I think North Carolina can be streaky, streaky enough to play with them. Like, I think Duke is playing better basketball, if that makes sense. Like, I think watching them play, like I said earlier, how they were played against Arkansas, everything looks like they're drawing it up well, they're executing. But then you have North Carolina over here who, you know, can get hot, can make some threes. And is it – I love uh, – I mean, Maycott is like a huge just game changer, I feel like. I mean, that dude is so big and so athletic. It's so hard to guard him if he – can get going. I mean, he'll, he alone can keep North Carolina in that game and make it fun to watch. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you guys think about uh, Kansas Villanova? Um, I kind of like, I like Villanova's chances here. Uh, I think um, Kansas is 
going to run out of steam. I had uh, I actually parlayed Hogs and Nova money line, thinking it was going to be a, a a big weekend for me. Got one of those to hit in Villanova, but obviously we saw Arkansas lose. But I'm kind of big on the Villanova here, so I'm I'm taking both dogs. Uh, taking both dogs in the let the dogs four. eat. Yeah, let I'm the dogs eat. Dogs. I go with both dogs. I, I hope I'd hope that I'm not I'm not a very big Bill Self fan. Um, so I'll go with Villanova there on pretty much just pure intuition. I don't think I've watched a single Kansas basketball game this year, to be a hundred percent honest. Um, besides the end, the only one I've watched is the end of the basketball game right before the Duke, uh, North Carolina game the first time. I mean, didn't Kansas send that to overtime? So, you know what I actually think is going to happen? Oh, is it, it's going to suck so bad if coach K wins the whole thing, right? That's going to be so nobody, annoying. Yeah, nobody except Duke fans wants that. I know, that would no be so gross. Oh. I don't know Duke. if I want him to – like, if, if Duke makes it to the natty, if it would make me happier if they, you know, got beat by 50 or if they lost on, like, a last-second buzzer beater. I don't know. Because usually, you know, when it's your team, people ask you that, and you're like, honestly, I'd rather just get crushed and get it out of the way than get my heart ripped out at the end. I don't know what I want for Coach K because – while, yeah, you could get your heart ripped out at the end, it would also be cool to just see him get annihilated in the last his last showing. Yeah. It might be a little more embarrassing. No, I think uh, uh, personally I'd want UNC to just come out, beat the crap out of him. Um, I think if UNC wins on a game winner, that gives him a better chance to win the national championship, if that makes any sense, um, because I think they'd come in fat and happy – they beat Coach K. They won their Super Bowl um, and coming a little slow um, national championship wise. If they just destroy Duke, uh, I think that could almost be a little uh, kind of poison how Nick Saban talks about getting too confident and listening to the media and stuff like that. Um, but I think it'd be fun to see Duke just get destroyed. Have uh, didn't North Carolina and Villanova play a few years back? Um, yeah, that's when Villa, uh, Villanova – God, I can't remember his name. It's something my name. Yeah, yeah he hit name, that but, uh, uh, deep three ball. Deep well, because it was – wasn't it uh, them, Mar- uh, Marcus Page hit a three, right? Yeah, a double, cl- double clutch. Yeah. Um, insane three. And Villanova and, just came yeah, back and answered. Came back and then just nails the, nails the 45-footer for the natty. I mean, that's every kid's dream right there. I'm picking Carolina for the championship. Shout out Swaff and uh, shout out Dougie V. You know, he's a, shout out Dougie V. Uh, I got a lot of Tar Heels. We'll go with North Carolina. We'll see next Monday night. It'll be happening. We go. Should we go live? Live show during the game? You know. Just, Ooh, just, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we can yeah. do a little uh, live recording. I kind of like that. <laughs> I would love to see North Carolina pull it off. Um, as far as the Kansas Villanova game goes, I like Jay Wright. Yeah, better as a coach. But I don't know. I think Kansas – I don't know if they're more talented. I don't know if I can really say that. To me, it seems like they might have a better team. But, yeah, again, I think Jay Wright might be the best coach in basketball right now. So I'm going to go with them over Kansas. But, yeah, that's what I, – I like that idea of us going live next week, kind of reacting to everything that's going on. What time does the game start? Seven, I assume, probably around then. Yeah, somewhere around then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that'd be fun. We can even maybe even do a little Twitter space or something like that while uh, while we're working. We're putting Ooh, in yeah. work, putting in work, and having fun. 
Yeah, well, as far as, I mean, that's pretty much basketball for you. It's pretty much madness. Not a whole lot to cover until uh, we get into the upcoming games. But what was the maddest like, part? What was, what's been your favorite part of madness so far? The St. Most Pete. St. Pete. Yeah. The Peacocks it, were pretty mad. That was, yeah, that was, awesome. that was awesome. I mean, that, that was, was awesome. awesome. Um, yeah, the Peacocks were definitely my favorite part. Doug Eddard. Um, who looks exactly like our friend Doug Valentine that we were uh, uh, talking about as a, a UNC Tar Heel. It's kind of funny. They have the same name, same mustache. Uh, so I was really rooting for the Peacocks. But, um, yeah, I think uh, that's got to be the craziest part. And that's kind of a cop-out because that's, that's what everybody's going to say. But it's true. Hey, yeah, that was the most true. Sometimes, part. Yeah, sometimes the story writes itself in March. You know, Peacocks were crazy. That was awesome. People love an underdog. Love Cinderella. It's hard to be. Nope. Yeah, no, I'll probably go with all that. that as well, all guess. that madness, all that madness leads to four of the top like six winningest programs like meeting in the final. Yeah, it's kind of that's what's even crazier about all of it. Is like, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like you still end up with essentially four teams that make the most sense. It's almost like March really rewards almost it's like a program award. You know, it's like the teams that consistently win in March are just, they have to have good programs because you got to be putting a good team in the tournament every year because then you just let madness happen. Like, you know what I mean? If you just keep putting a good, good team yeah. in there. That's why always- I think ten- Tennessee's still in a good spot where, like, you know what? Yeah, we haven't had a ton of success in March, but like, we're putting a good team in there enough times. Like, we're going to break through. We're going to kind of, you know, you just got to keep being there, keep being really good. So players get yeah. to experience it more. You know, those players play in March every year. That's the expectation. That's like, you know, they just have more experience and just leads to more success. So a lot of madness and a lot of good basketball left. So. Yeah, a lot of good basketball left. Um, I wish either the Hogs or the Vols were still in it, though, so we could go down to uh, the Superdome. I had my ticket um, booked, man. I had my ticket booked to go down there, but tough. Tough. It happens. That's what uh, that's what the madness is. That's what we'll meet y'all in is. Omaha. How about that? How about Hogs? Yeah, yeah. Well, I like yeah. that. Takeover. That would yeah, be we'll sweet. Move it. Move it to Omaha. Reschedule. Yep. That's how. That's how it works. You know, you don't win a season up. You know, we'll make it to the next one. That's kind of good for both the Hogs and Vols football or all programs right now are pretty exciting to look forward to. You know, like yeah, basketball is over, but man, look at the baseball team just sweeping number one Ole Miss on the road. Yeah, like let's go. And well, that's yeah. the thing, Vol. The Vol's athletic department. You go back five years ago, before like you go back before Barnes, before Heupel, before Tony V. Like the entire athletic department, I feel like was just a laughing stock. I think Barrett Sully actually tweeted like those exact yeah. words uh, earlier today. Totally. He was like that entire athletic department was a laughing stock. And now you have the number one baseball team in the country. One of the more hyped up football teams in the SEC, uh, or at least tr- the more. The SEC, besides more, Georgia, Tennessee's number two in the East, I'd say hyped up. Yeah. Well, they're, and they're definitely one of the more trending upward teams yeah. like that. And then obviously you have basketball doing well. Mm. Just, so. w- just won an SEC championship. I mean, exactly. that's what it, it, people are getting down on Barnes and people are getting down on Tennessee basketball. But at the end of the day, we won a championship. We won an SEC championship. Hadn't done it since 1979. 
you got to be happy with that success. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you're not going to win a national championship every year. That's the goal, but you just got to find the, the bright side of things. Um, and there's tons, tons of stuff to be uh, happy about across the board with Tennessee. Yeah, and I am fully in. We'll, we'll cover baseball kind of at the end here, but I am. I love it, man. I love riding along the ba- kind of riding this baseball wave that we got going. Yeah, those games are so much fun too. The legends of Lindsey Nelson, they get uh, they get rowdy out there. Yeah, there's some big been, renovations too. I've been trying to tell everybody how much fun baseball is, you know, for a while. Hogs program's been yeah, those y'all games, been good for a while though. Like I that's mean, been bit. see, I, it's just almost culturally different. Like up here at Arkansas, when I go to school from the jump, like no, nah, the like popular, like the cool, like what everyone's doing is going to a Razorback baseball game. Like, nah, uh, it's, it's just a huge, huge thing for everybody here, not just students, but the whole, like, region. Yeah. Who lo- a baseball-loving yeah. region that doesn't really have a pro team anywhere, you know, the Razorbacks have, have always been that. And, and, you're at, and you're seeing how much excitement it builds, especially in a time of the year where there's not, you know, other major sports going on. Um, you know, basketball season's well over. It's in the spring during spring practice for football. So it actually can help kind of revitalize some, some excitement in the whole athletic department just to get baseball kind of, it provides more of a fun, like it's three, it's three fun games in a single weekend. Yeah. You know, f- I, I football. Love they always play, yeah. play series too. That's so fun. And so like I can go out Friday night and have a whole different experience at a baseball game than if I go on a Sunday afternoon. And but like everyone can have just a great time, and, and when you're winning and hitting home runs like Tennessee is right now, it's so fun to be. A oh part my of. gosh! Just celebrate. It's like it's just it is a fun, just especially after you know a disappointing exit in basketball, but still you're like, well, it really was a really great season. You know, did some things we hadn't done in a long time. Now we get to just celebrate our baseball team just raking right now, and being the top in the SEC. I mean, they're top dogs right now, so it's exciting, yeah. exciting times. Do we want to hop into – so we're going to talk a little college football, obviously. Do we want to hop into, Trusha, that list you gave, or do we want to give yeah. our kind of roundtable first? I say we kick off this list and because I, I, I want to get this out of the way. I'm very uh, – <laughs> very and, Will, you kind of spoke to a good point. It's not as crazy as I kind of initially said, but uh, as some of you Pater listeners know, big game boomer. I'm sure uh, a, a lot of you people who are listening here – uh, follow them on Twitter. If you don't, it's basically this account that does all different kinds of rankings, uh, usually focused on college, um, college sports, college football. Um, and they came out with the top 100 greatest college quarterbacks of all time. Uh, I agree with Tim Tebow at number one. I think that's pretty safe to say just overall his sustained success. Um and winning two national championships and what Florida did was amazing. But number two, Baker Mayfield is what made me the most mad. I mean, that, I guess he's a a Oklahoma fan, but I don't know how you can put Baker at number two. You got to take into account his, I don't even really pay attention to the Oklahoma stuff he puts on there. Cause yeah, you have to take into account the obvious (laughs) bias. However, here's what I'll say about lists like these two. Is going, I mean, going crossing over generations and everything, it's so hard to make a list like this and actually be accurate. Like, you're obviously going to have 
And it's not even that you're wrong or right necessarily. It's just people have different opinions. Like I see like Lamar Jackson is at 37 and some people could probably make the argument that Lamar Jackson is like top 10 or something. Yeah, I'd say like, he I'm, could be close I'm, to the top 10 for sure. I'm not even saying necessarily I would, but really it's so hard to make a list this large. It's almost easier to just try and make a top 10 or top 20 just because once you start getting into all of these, you could have some that, oh, this guy's ranked 64. I'd have him at 32. You know, it's so hard to compare, especially when you're talking about all these different generations. Quarterback I mean, cross-generational is impossible to compare to. Like a quarterback that played in the 80s or 90s or, yeah. you know, way before. Or you have Joe it, Namath coming in yeah. at number number 100 on this uh, list. It's it's tough to compare Joe Namath yeah. to Vince Young. I yeah, mean, but like look at but, – but you could look at Joe Namath's numbers in whatever year he played in versus like the top guys now who throw for – People break passing records like every single week nowadays. Like they're throwing, yeah, the for, game has changed. they're throwing for ridiculous amounts of yardage. People like like Hugh, like an offense like Hugh Freeze runs, where you're just constantly just like that's so it's incomparable to the kind of football they used to play. That doesn't mean you're a less effective quarterback or a more effective quarterback. It's just it's it's, it's just not the same. The position is is not the same at all. Well, and I think that's when you get into essentially the only way to rank these guys is if you actually watch tape on them or watch them play, because the only way to know who's is when you're talking about these different generations is to say this guy was just a dominant player. Like, for example, obviously, Tommy Frazier, Nebraska comes in at number six. Obviously, most Nebraska fans have Tommy Frazier at number one. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that, but I would have him. I'd have him top five. At least I move him up another spot. But if you go look at his stats, it's not – it's just so different because he was running an option offense. You yeah. Know? Like he's he, – he's, I'm pretty sure – You just sure don't even has, get the attempts. I, I'm pretty sure he had like 50% completion percentage one year, but was is still considered one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. And he was. I mean, the guy went – I mean, back-to-back national championships, 25-0, and 0, obviously, runner-up for the Heisman. But uh, a, a couple – we can kind of cover our – just kind of what sticks out to us. And I have some very controversial takes probably on a couple people on this list. So I'm just going to kick into it. First of all, Cam Newton comes in at number three. And a lot of people love to talk about Cam being maybe the best college quarterback ever. And I always disagree with it because longevity. I mean, the guy played one year. I get it. If he like, I, there's just not enough of a sample size. I get what Cam did, but I would also come back and argue. So let's compare a guy who was kind of in his generation uh, in Johnny Manziel, who played three years and had the same kind of stats as Cam. Now he wasn't on as quite as good of a team, but you know, I'm putting Johnny football up here at least in the top 10. And I think he comes in at 18. I'm putting Johnny football above Cam Newton, honestly, yeah, Man. I thought, uh, I thought oh, oh, was way too low. So we gotta tap know. the brakes. We gotta tap the brakes. All right. A quarterback is a lot determined by his team success, right? Johnny Johnny Manziel's best team finish, they won nine games. They won nine games. Yeah, but so he had to score I'm putting 50 Cam points above every him. game. Yeah, but that's 
He had no defense. That's not his fault, dude. I'm taking no Johnny football blows Cam Newton out of the water for me. All right. I don't know. Someone screen record that. That ain't right. Cam Newton was insane. Cam Newton carried a football team on his back. Look at Auburn football outside of the times when Cam was there. Like he literally changed the yeah, it's almost more impressive that he did it in only a season. Like he was so transcendent at the level that like he came in for one year, plugged him in, no, carried that team to a national championship. And then dipped was the number one pick in the draft. I think. Well, that's didn't sweet. they win two games the next year? After he no, they, left, no, they yeah. Gene Chizik got fired. The Gene year Chizik did left. suck. And yeah. then Nick Marshall and Trey Mason showed up in 2013, and they bounced right back into success. But yeah, they won two games the year after uh, Cam Newton lost. So it's no, definitely you're correct. I mean, Cam Newton made. Gene Chizik, a national championship coach. Gene Chizik is one of the worst head coaches in college football history, in my opinion. However. Uh, I will say Auburn did have an insane defense when Cam Newton was there. Yes. You had Nick Fairley on the line. I mean, he was a top, I want to say, definitely a first-round pick. I don't remember what when it was. But, I mean, I just don't think – you could put Cam Newton in the top ten for me, but I'm just not putting him in the top five simply because he did it for one year. And I get – I do understand what you're saying, Seth. It's impressive that he did it in one year, but I don't know. I think the fact that guys like Tebow, Vince Young, Matt Leiner did it year after dude, year after year. Dude, I'm going with them all day. The The weirdest thing to me on here and kind of bringing it back how we were talking cross-generational, Davey O'Brien at number 10. So he played two years at TCU. They won a national championship. Um, but – so that national championship was a 15 to seven win over Carnegie tech in 1938, his college career stats, his, he played 37, 38, 237 attempts, 40% completion percentage with 947 passing yards and five touchdowns wins the Heisman the next year. I'll give it to him that. But 166 attempts, 56% completion percentage, under 1,500 yards, and 19 touchdowns. Played two years. Um, yes, TCU won a national championship. Yes, they, they had an undefeated season. But it was over Carnegie Tech, and the dude died in 1977. How is he number 10 on this list? I What, uh, go what, kind, of numbers, what kind of numbers is Cam Newton putting up in that offense? <laughs> <laughs> but that's a, I mean it's a totally you can't compare yeah like, no. a, but I mean, I mean I feel like but, you just shouldn't even have a 1930s quarterback in the top 10 that's fair that's fair but you can't I mean that's the a thing. halfback that was seen. a halfback yeah yeah I don't I don't know anything about Davey O'Brien besides that the award is named after him so I mean that's got to count for something I mean you're talking about when the game was still developing so he could have been I, I truly don't even know. I mean, he could have just been blowing everyone else out of the water when it came. That is to true. They he held probably... nine of their ten regular season opponents to seven points or less. Yeah, I'd say that's the defense, not Davey O'Brien. Yeah, but we. I mean, you know, someone's got to push it along the position. You know, he 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 must have been influential. Like Will said, yeah. to have a trophy named after you, like the trophy for the for the position. Yeah, I'm not saying like not. Nah, he, he redefined kind of what a quarterback was at the time. It, it seems silly to us that, you know, he was doing that and that's what they considered elite quarterback play. But like 
<laughs> at the time, it must have been pretty like incredible. And yeah. it is. So he has the NCAA record for most rushing and passing plays in a single season. So I'll give him that. He uh, he was the team's offense. The team's offense wasn't very good, really. Um, but he did only throw four interceptions in those 194 attempts. Um, through or he had four. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at it. Yeah. So the most. I mean, that's pretty insane that that 194 attempts, only four interceptions. But like we said, the the offense was different. Uh, football was just different. I think Davey O'Brien only makes the top 10 because of his name. It's possible. I mean, you look at this list and it's so hard to. Yeah. I mean, there's a hundred guys on here and you can move so many people around. Well, and and like a guy like Pat Mahomes is at 88 and yeah, Texas tech was never really that good. But I mean, when you, he was throwing for five or 600 yards in games, how, how, and I'm not even saying he should be super high. I just like, how do you even, evaluate that uh a couple that stick out to me that are still i'm mainly looking in that first kind of top 25 yeah mike i'm thinking mike vick at 15 maybe a little low and then i was thinking that was a little high honestly really yeah i just feel like i feel like he carried that virginia i i I think about these guys that carried teams he carried that Virginia Tech team a long way. Like they were, and he was he was transcendent at the quarterback position as well. Yeah, he changed basically. Basically, created the Lamar Jacksons and Cam Newtons, and I mean, he was so influential to those guys that uh, ran a lot. I mean, you can look back at Steve Young and Fran Tarkenton and some of those guys that really moved around, but nobody ran the ball like Vic did and was able to kind of sustain it, stay healthy. Um, really run a rushing attack through the quarterback. So definitely, uh, definitely an argument to be made. I don't know if that makes him top 15, but uh, he changed the position forever for sure. Where was, where was Peyton? Where where was he? uh, Yeah, he was. I'm fine with that. What is the top? Oh, hold on. Go through the top five. Yeah. So we got Tebow at one, Baker at two, Cam Newton at three. (laughs) Baker at two is a troll so hard. Yeah, yeah. It, Baker it, at two is such a that, troll. That's just getting people to click on the yeah. the thing. I think Peyton at four, Vince Young at five, Tommy Frazier at six, Roger Stallback at seven, Joe Burrow at eight, Matt Leinart at nine. Then we round out with Big Davey O'Brien at ten. Yeah. That's the top that, ten. Right that there. list is so. It, that would be so hard to actually rank those people in terms of the best. <laughs> actually, the best. But. Yeah, no, I agree. I would actually say, and this is going to be also one you could probably argue with. I wouldn't have Peyton in the top five. It's simply fair. because no national like, championship. Yeah, which also, I mean, that's another reason why you could drop Baker. Like, that's one reason Baker should not be two. Like, if you don't have a national championship, you cannot. I don't think you can be in the top five. Yeah, because I mean, at, at at the college level, if you're at a power five program. And you are a great quarterback. I'd say I'd say it'd be fair to take you out of the top five if you can't lead your team to a national championship at a bit at a big name program. Yes, at a big name program. Like now, Drew we, Drew Brees at Purdue. You yeah, know, if they, that's what a did different they, story. Did they win a Rose Bowl when he was there? Maybe that sounds right. I don't. I don't even know. But I mean, I would still definitely have Peyton top ten. I wouldn't have him number four though. Yeah, I could. I could 
see that being a little little high. And I, you see Vince Young right behind him. And I think, bro, yeah, you gotta VY, put, man, you got to put VY at number four. I, yeah. I'd be fine with um, moving that up. But um, yeah, so let's see. I'm pulling up uh, Drew Brees here real quick at Purdue. So, I mean, it's some pretty freaking good numbers um, overall. Didn't even start. I'm trying to see his uh, game logs here. Oh, they didn't start until two, 2000, so I can't see the uh, – can't see all the way. But, yeah, in 2000 at least they had three losses, nine and three, or eight and three. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't let me go back before 2000 on uh, college football reference or else okay. I'd have that pulled up right now. A couple – a couple of names I just wanted to throw out there that if you're like a big college football fan, this will just make you go go back a few years and really remember the good old days. Pat White from West Virginia yeah. comes in at 24. I mean, That's just pretty the, high. That's pretty good, honestly. I think he should be even higher, like you were talking about. Well, I was gonna say, I've, but I mean, you look Top at the 20. list and it's so 25. hard to put them. Yeah, good. It's so hard to put him above some of these guys. But, yeah, I mean, I just think – I mean, the guy – that offense was ridiculous, him and Steve Slayton back in the day. But then you also have – let's see who I was looking at. Oh, Graham Harrell from the Mike Leach days at Texas Tech comes in oh, at 34. Yeah. Colt Brennan right behind him at 35 from Hawaii. Just insane numbers at Hawaii. He threw for – I think he was the first guy to throw for 5,000 yards. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And then that, obviously – That Hawaii I mean, offense was just like – built to sling the ball though so you can kind of how we were talking about the style of games and style of plays it's not all you got to take into account kind of i think the the teams that they play the style that they play um got to take that into account too some names too on here that i just wouldn't think of including or maybe i'm just forgetting uh a guy like Bryce Petty at Baylor, I remember him having a lot of hype, I feel like, coming out. Uh, the lawyer will love this. Luke Falk from Washington State. Yeah. At 67. Yeah, former Titan. <laughs> former Titan. Uh, predicted to be the next Tom Brady by our friend of the show, Thomas Swafford. What do we think? I don't know. I don't know how you cannot. How can you be a top 100 college quarterback if you got drafted in, like, the seventh round? Like, a, a well, top 100 i'm not i'm just saying like how many quarterbacks have been drafted in the top two rounds over the last in that theoretically kind of indication that they were a better college quarterback in that like kind of the best way to judge them as a college quarterback like someone like robert griffin drafted number two so that meaning he is essentially one of the two best college quarterbacks well yeah but you have a guy like doug flutie or pat white or, you know, they weren't drafted super high. I mean, I know Tommy yeah. Frazier from Nebraska wasn't because he had his he had blood clot issues. And that's another – I mean, he wasn't running the same offense that a lot of the, these guys yeah, are. Yeah, I think it also has to deal with what – if pro-style offense and how well you can perform in that. But, yeah, Seth, that – but I think that kind of backs up your point a little bit. I mean, Luke Falk was running like a pro-style type offense. So, maybe, yeah, I see what you're saying there. Ooh, a guy just a, caught – Just a thought. Yeah. Colin Klein from K-State at 66. I remember that. I think he had Kansas State ranked number one at one point. 
I think uh, a couple of things that I want to call out here, Dak Prescott at 84, I think is a little bit low. I mean, those Mississippi state teams, especially that year when they were up, uh, got up to number one. um, Yeah. Talk about a team, a person elevating a team. He elevated that, those Mississippi state teams. So I'd, I'd have him higher there. Um, But what, one thing that I also wanted to ask you guys. So this list has two attack of Iloa at number 33 and the top Alabama quarterback. Do you guys agree with he's the greatest Alabama quarterback of all time? No. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I thought they have I mean, Tua that's and Mac Jones um, at one and two for or at least in order of this list. That's another weird one where you start getting into generations and stuff. DJ McCarron should be higher up. Honestly, I think, I think maybe pure talent. What were they asking? What were they asking AJ McCarron to do? Yeah. Pure talent. Throw throw to to Julio Jones. I mean, he was doing the same thing, but in his defense, he was doing the same thing. Mac Jones was doing. That's why I didn't believe in Mac Jones coming out. But I mean, how do you not put, how is Joe Namath? The last Alabama quarterback. Yeah, out that's of those what, I thought that was crazy. That's the one I've got to. Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought uh, Carson Palmer, USC, number fifty-four. That's a little low. I was, I was, a, I was a big Carson Palmer guy back in the day. He won a Heisman, right? Probably won a Heisman and a national championship. So theoretically, on that index, he's got to be way higher. Yeah, but. Then, then again, then you kind of look back to the program elevation. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he did it at USC where a couple, couple of guys came in and did that. Just balling at that time. Yeah, they were balling, dude. They, they had that that one little slot in our lives where they were just so good. USC was disgusting. Yeah. And that uh, Pete Carroll, I think, is one of those really, really interesting things to me. One of the few guys to, to do it on both sides, national championship and Super Bowl. Um, now he had actually been a head coach in the NFL before he was, um, a head coach at USC, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to think Jimmy Johnson, uh, at Miami and then Dallas. Uh, but that's, that's a pretty elite group right there of guys who have won a national championship and a super bowl as a head coach. You got to know how to handle characters. Like it's just such a different ball game coaching college kids versus yeah, coaching, coaching grown men versus I mean 32-year-old offensive linemen. I mean, <laughs> there's a pretty big difference. That's pretty what Matt Leinart seeing seeing Matt Leinart at 9. Like I know that's really good, but I just have always thought of Matt Leinart as like one of the best. And obviously, I mean top 10 is kind of one of the best, but like I would throw, I would at least throw him a Joe Burrow's right in front of him. I think I'd throw Matt Leinard in front of him because Burrow's kind of similar in that he had one. I mean, he had maybe the best season ever. Matt also had Reggie Bush. Yeah, but I mean, Joe Burrow had Jamar Chase and that is, uh, yeah, that is true. Uh, who am I forgetting? What's what's the other one's name? Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Ankle, I mean, I mean, you get but. I mean, you got to have good talent on your team no, to, to be yeah. able to to be able to put up good numbers and be good. Football's a team sport. There's more than basketball. Um, yeah, it's all got to come together as a team. I don't know if you can necessarily knock down guys, but you can. I mean, it's also if you got three 
first round picks at wide receiver, it definitely makes it a little bit easier. Uh, no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, all in all, fun, fun to talk about this stuff. Yeah, but definitely. It's all, like, we could talk all day about it, and you can nitpick in here, but definitely uh, to kind of close us out, the biggest gripe I got, take Baker Mayfield out of, out of number yeah. two. <laughs> That's yeah. the final takeaway here. Yeah, because other than that, you pretty much aren't going to – you can't really be wrong or right. It's all just personal opinion at that point. Yeah. But, yes, yeah, I think we can all agree Baker at two is incorrect. I don't even know if I'd have him top – I mean, yeah, I'd probably have him like top – 25. 25, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say top 20, and then I was like, maybe. Let's just say yeah. 25 to be safe. 25 to be safe. That's fair. And especially – I mean, walk on – Texas Tech, it's not like he was sustained success for super long. No, nah, I he's mean, pretty he, good. I, he, he, two years, really good. He was good at Tech, though, wasn't he? I mean, I feel like I remember him lighting it up, and that was the whole was reason he, he left. Maybe I'm misremembering things, but I barely remember his days at Tech. I remember watching him a little bit. Baker, we're talking about Baker. Yeah. Yeah. He was nothing at Tech. If he had been really good at tech, he would have just been there. He may have gotten in some trouble too, like just well, a little thing, bit enough. Like, yeah, yeah, he had that enough. when he got uh, tackled got by the cops. absolutely slammed to yeah. the ground in Fayetteville. That's oh, so yeah. funny that it happened here. So his numbers, uh, they were garbage. At, I mean, they weren't garbage, but twelve touchdowns to nine interceptions. Okay, yeah, never mind. But that, I mean, all this. Uh, so his three years at Oklahoma, I was, I was. That's okay. Year, that's, yeah. uh, I was forgetting the year in there. His three years at Oklahoma. I mean, I'm looking at his stats. They are pretty mind blowing. Some of this talk makes me just reiterate the thought in my head that it's amazing to me that Cliff Kingsbury had Pat Mahomes in college, like didn't really succeed that big, and that like they weren't very good, and then failed upwards into the NFL. Yeah. Like how, how how did he he was very mediocre with a generational maybe you know one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen was just like decent in college and then loses his job at Texas Tech only to get hired in the NFL a way a way more elite coaching group like that's it's almost crazy yeah. the trajectory like now, he took and now he's botching apart. Kyler yeah. Murray situation like no no oh big surprise he's not succeeding. Like he didn't even win at Texas Tech with Patrick Mahomes. How wide open with the Big Twelve? Like he could have at least got one like ten or eleven games. They weren't even going to bowl games. No, yeah, they, they weren't were even like, good. They were like seven and five was their best record. They would they were losing games. I mean I think they they did play Oklahoma that in, that uh, famous Baker yeah, versus Pat Mahomes game where I think it was like sixty five to fifty five. Guys, they threw absolutely for six no or seven hundred yards a piece. Huh? I said absolutely no defense in the Big Twelve. No, though, at that time. Yeah. Well, and that's what Kingsbury essentially just said. Yeah, I don't care about defense in the NFL. Was like, okay, well, we yeah, we'll, NFL <laughs> does. <laughs> well, but th- I mean, the fact that he still gets a job for essentially being just—I mean, he's—I don't know how he got a head coaching job in the NFL. I would have understood an offensive coordinator job or a QB coach. Yeah, I mean, something like that. But yeah, because his QB coaching resume is off the charts. Because he coached, I think he coached Case Keenum at Houston. Yep. Johnny Football at A and M. Baker, right? Or do I think he, he did have 
I think he had Baker. Did he positive. have Baker? That might have been think, his first year. I really think that might be why Arizona picked him at the time that they did because they knew they were getting Kyler, Kyler. probably. You know what I mean? Like they were like, look, we're going to draft this quarterback. We need the perfect guy to groom this quarterback into yeah. being like and just build the offense around him. And I would say Kingsbury probably was like, look, I'll just take, you know, I know how to use him. Uh, I, I can build this offense for him and around him. Um, and kind of go from there. And I think that might have really helped him get that job because they had the number one pick in the draft. You know what I mean? I well, think, he's, I think that really helped. He's succeeding more in the NFL than he was in college. At least you can say that. Regular yeah, which is lost. still very mediocre. Yeah. Which, yeah, which is yeah. still, yeah. Yeah, to end up uh, losing that, uh, losing the division to the Rams was kind of insane. I, and I was happy that I that he did because I bet on the Rams to win the division at the beginning of the year. But, um, I mean, they were up, what, like three or four games ahead of the Rams? And they just yeah, they fell apart. It. They fell apart. I mean, that's been, those really you've been several straight years. That's been several straight years where they were in really good position, looked great, and just fell apart. Like, not even just started losing, just, like, were terrible. Yeah, crumbled. And then even carried into the playoffs, terrible there, too. Got destroyed. Um, We want to do a little roundtable talk, guys. I know we were talking about kind of seeing where the college football programs are at. Not a ton, ton of news, but definitely a little bit of news. Uh, Seth, you want to kick us off with Arkansas, and then, Will, you and I can – or I'll touch on Vols, and then we'll uh, finish out with Nebraska. Yeah, real quick, I think what we'll do is, yeah, like like Trusha was saying, do a quick kind of 30,000-foot view of the programs. And this could be something in the in the coming weeks, especially as spring practice gets going, that we dive a little deeper into maybe each week. But, yeah, Seth, if you want to go ahead and kick us off with just kind of the state of the Arkansas program, what you're excited about, what you're worried about, maybe some predictions, excitement that you have personally, shoot. Yeah. It's about an as exciting time to be an Arkansas football fan as it has been in a long time. Not We've had periods of excitement for sure, but it does harken back to kind of the days when Petrino had us really going as like, you know, consistent kind of top tens finishes ar- around himself. that. Yeah. The, yeah. It's <laughs> been since it has been since that motorcycle accident that Razorback football has been just going through the dark ages, but uh, really from just an outside perspective, it, Arkansas at this point just has a rock solid foundation. That that is what we finally kind of built up. This is going to be year three under Pittman. I think that's right. Improved every year. Yeah. And year two just took a huge jump year one, you know, faced with um, the COVID year short sec season, like 10 game sec season for a year one sec coach. And we had not won an SEC game in two years. Like we had gone winless Ugh. in the SEC for two. I forgot years. how bad that was. Exactly. It's it's easy to, but that was dark. Like that was bad. And Arkansas is not that kind of program. You know, maybe we're not a you know true elite Alabama type school, but man, we're not we're not like that. We're a strong, respectable, proud program. So he comes out of COVID year, wins three games. It doesn't sound like a lot, but winning three SEC games after, you know, losing the last 16 at least felt so good. Beat the Vols that year. You know, that was kind of the turn of Jerry Yeah, we were in Arkansas, yeah. Yeah. And um, anyway, so year two just took a huge leap. K.J. Jefferson emerged as a star, and that's kind of 
where we stand kind of now we've got the, we've had the same offensive and defensive coordinators for three years now. So that continuity is really good and that's really good. Um, And so, and and we have a star quarterback in KJ Jefferson who can be that kind of take over a game, you know, a true controller of the offense playmaker um, type guy to lead our offense. And, you know, we had the number one rushing attack in the sec last year. And with Pittman in year three, that only seems to get stronger. You know, that only seems to continue to be an extreme strength of the team. Um, so it's really exciting. We have an, a crazy, crazy, exciting schedule this year. Uh, we open with Cincinnati at home. So, you know, you get a lot of excitement building in the offseason just because, hey, look, we're playing a playoff contender. You know, they literally were in the playoff last year. They're coming to our house. Um, so you get that to start it off. And I think the, the expectations are going to be there. Like I would assume Arkansas will probably be ranked preseason for the first time in a long time. Um, and that's, I mean, certainly exciting. Had a great finish to the year last year, just a good, good finish to the regular season. And then to build that into the off season and have a really good bowl game and just really dominate a Penn state program that you really respect a lot was fun, fun to watch. So just very exciting. I think KJ, KJ Jefferson emerges as a true, true star and carries us to a really strong season, backed by some experience and some continuity that has been building through several years. And we see the fruits of that, I think, this year. So that's where what's, that's where I'm at. What's the uh, schedule looking like for y'all? It's, it's always tough. And that's, I mean, it's always tough where it's we are. It's always tough. Um, cause, but this year we do have Alabama at home, Ole Miss at home, LSU at home. Um, and then one more. So we got kind of some of the heavier hitters at home. We always play A&M on in neutral. We do play. So we play Cincinnati and BYU at a conference. Um, and we play Liberty. So that's interesting. And we play, speaking of Bobby Petrino, we play Missouri state. So all four of our non-con games even have some intrigue. Um, You're Bobby catching Petr- a lot of those teams at the right time, I think, though. Yeah, I, I, do, I do too. I, I mean, I just think Arkansas is going to be strong enough to kind of beat the – like, you know, to overcome most of those teams, hopefully. I mean, that's what we hope. I, I just think in the trenches we're, we're going to be is where our strength lies. So it makes, you know, winning some of those games a little bit easier. Um, anyway, but Bobby Petrino coming back. I said it's been the dark ages since Bobby Petrino had that motorcycle accident and um, all that came to light. I think, I think we might kind of have like a full circle moment when the hogs just absolutely dominate Missouri state and Bobby Petrino and maybe on, maybe on their way to an sec West title. I mean, maybe on the way to the national championship, if there's ever going to be a year for Arkansas to kind of just, have like like we said with Auburn kind of they were kind of middling around and then kind of bumped up for a year like or Arkansas LSU. yeah Arkansas could have I mean we went nine and four last year we could either you know kind of stay the same we could have a big jump and if a big jump for us is competing for the whole thing I mean you're not that far away at that point um because if you went say Arkansas goes 10 and 2 in the SC West in that schedule like they're going to be kind of up around there even so it's not it's not crazy talk. It's not crazy talk anymore for the Razorbacks to possibly compete for the national championship. That's all I'll say. That's how we're feeling. Yeah. What are the three games you're 
would say are like the biggest games are going to be the most challenging. Bama, Bama, Bama. I mean, that's like Bama is the bar and has been for the longest time. Um, so them at home is always, always a kind of a true pacer test kind of to where you are almost as a pro. Okay. We get Alabama coming in at home. Can we compete? Like, cause I've watched Arkansas at different times. Yes. We've lost like how many in a row? Like we've lost, we've never beat. Y'all competed last year though. At least That's what I'm saying. We competed last year on the road and they, and so now we get them at our place another year, you know, in the same, same, everything, another kind of, another opportunity to, to give them a fight. Like we're going to beat them one of these years, like them coming at home, you know, hopefully it sets up favorably like around the schedule and, and maybe give them a good shot. Um, but then other than that, A&M in Dallas is always a really fun. Um, we beat them last year for the first time in a while. It'd be nice to win that one again. Um, and setting, I mean, there's a lot of tough games, but setting, setting things right back with uh, Ole Miss would be good. They got us by one last year um, in Oxford at 11 a.m. You know, had a, just mm. a crazy, crazy football. One of the most fun games I've watched in a long time. But just craziest games that ended with us coming up short on a two-point conversion. Um, I think – I, I don't want to just beat Ole Miss this year. I actually want to beat them pretty bad. Like, not not as anything against Ole Miss. Not as like – but uh, just, just to establish Arkansas, you know. Yeah, y'all got us last year by a point, but – Nah, this is where we We're really stand. Now. This is where we stand as a program. You know, like, nah, like y'all are going to get run over this year. <laughs> I love it. How about the Vols? I mean, they're turning they're turning yeah. in a similar direction. To, I was, two of the positive programs in the SEC. I was going to say, today. we're pretty much kind of uh, pretty, almost kind of in the same uh, same direction. We're a year behind, obviously, in the uh, head coaching aspect, but Hypel has made – such a a quick turnaround and Danny White at uh athletic director I think is really just level set everything um and they obviously already had that connection Hypel and White down at uh, UCF uh but biggest thing that uh, I'm most excited about as a Tennessee fan obviously Nico five-star quarterback coming in from California uh, also got some crystal balls for Chandavian Bradley, five-star edge rusher, uh, number three edge rusher in the nation today as well. So that's um, looking like we could. This class could end up having a few five stars in it, uh, along some with some strong four and three stars uh, as well. So recruiting the recruiting machine is getting rolling here. Hennon Hooker is returning at quarterback. Uh, we got Seti Tillman. Um, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting season. I, we got to see how the defense plays out. Uh, but the schedule this year, I mean, it's always tough in the sec, but we got a lot of opportunities because so Pitt, we're, we're, we're playing them again. We're getting, uh, going to get our revenge of Pitt. They don't have Pickett anymore. So I'm hype about that game. That's going to be fun to come in, go in there and stomp on them. Um, that's, that's going to be a much needed win at the beginning of the season, but we've got Alabama, um, and Florida at home this year. And with Florida losing their head coach, uh, I mean, this is, we, we got to beat Florida this year. Uh, we got the talent offensively for sure. Florida's going to have a down year. They have to. Um, so that's a game that I'm really excited about, but we've got some tough games on the schedule as well. Got to go down to Baton Rouge. Um, and play LSU. That'll be interesting to see how Brian Kelly 
gets his team ready to go. Uh, but definitely nice to to have Florida and LSU uh, with first year head coaches. Games that I'm most scared of uh, are definitely at Georgia. That one is not going to be easy at all. Uh, that one's going to be really tough. And then at South Carolina at the end of the season is a game that I'm a little bit more scared of than I think some fans uh, are. Because hey, they're they're playing Beamer Ball down there. Yeah, we ran them ran them off the field last year, but uh, South Carolina finished the season strong. They're shaping up pretty well. They've got Rattler. He's going to be dangerous. Um, so I'm a little bit more nervous about that South Carolina game than I think uh, a lot of Vols fans are. But, I mean, really only positivity here from – I mean, going from Jeremy Pruitt and three wins uh, to to getting seven wins last year was unreal. Um, the program seems like it's in good shape. The recruiting class could potentially end up being top five, probably will be top 10 for sure. Um, so, yeah, pretty excited overall. But uh, as always, the SEC is tough. If we finish second in the SEC East, I'd say that's a, a su- successful season. Um, if we somehow pull it off and Georgia's just fat and happy, drunk off the national championship, that would be amazing if we somehow win the SEC East, but it's going to be tough. So I think there's a chance, especially because Georgia won a national championship. I mean, that that hunger and strive um, and want for that national championship, when that disappears, I mean, that can demotivate a lot of players um, and demotivate uh, Kirby Smart as a head coach. Now these guys are professionals and are still good, so I don't know if it'll truly change anything or not. But uh, the ACC East is definitely within reach. Not going to be easy, but it's within reach. So if we uh, we have another win- winning season, I'd love to see nine games. Um, but the ceiling, th- th- there's no end to the ceiling right now. So that's, <laughs> uh, I'll leave it at that. But the, we'll see how this recruiting class does and how we round out there. It's looking really nice, um, but pretty, pretty uh, up on the Vols football right now. Yeah, I was going to say, what would your record prediction be? Um, eight, eight and four, and then uh, a good bowl game win at nine and four would be, I'd say a, a level-headed prediction. Um, going to probably lose to Alabama and Georgia and then LSU or South Carolina, probably one of those two is going to be tough, uh, going on the road, but yeah, so I'll take uh, I'll take eight and four, and then a, a a nice old bowl game win. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say I'd be surprised. I think I would be surprised if Tennessee didn't win eight games in yeah. the regular season. Actually, not shocked, but at least a little surprised. I think yeah, you can kind of chalk up the Bama and Georgia's losses, and then really from there on, I think you're better than everyone you're gonna play. But I don't think you're good enough. To, not to, to consistently up. play your best. Yeah, it's tough right. to – I mean, a team is never, never as good as their best game and never as bad as their worst game. So right. uh, you got to look at it that way. And SEC schedules are tough. So can, uh, trying to be level-headed as possible, eight wins, certainly doable in the regular I think season. most people would be happy with that. Keep going. Keep winning more games than you did the last year. Yeah, I think everyone would be for pretty... sure. For sure. And then, uh, like Seth said, you take, uh, take the jump year three – with Heupel, 
maybe Pittman takes the jump this year, but uh, there, there's a big man down south named Josh Hypo who's coming in hot too. So uh, Hogs better get scared. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'll, I'll jump into the Huskers real quick. Uh, the Huskers actually have their spring game a week from Saturday. So I'm, I'm really excited to that to get a look at – the thing about the Huskers this year is there's a ton of new faces. Frost did a really good job in the transfer portal, as he needed to, because he's kind of in a situation where he really needs to win now. Yeah. And so obviously the glaring one, you went out, you got Casey Thompson from Texas. I mean, led the Big 12 in touchdown passes last year. Good athlete. And I kind of like that – I mean, I think his goal is to – come to Nebraska and then go pro will that happen I don't know but I kind of like that that's his goal because if he does that that means we probably had a pretty good season so I'm excited I'm looking at the schedule now and Nebraska's in an interesting situation right where uh you could they could have beaten anyone they played last year they were literally in every game so Although you end up going three and nine, I'm looking at the schedule and at least this schedule is definitely more favorable for the Huskers than last year was. I think the biggest thing is you have that first game in Ireland against Northwestern, open up the college football season. And if they can just win that game, just start off one and oh, like you are better than Northwestern. That was actually the one game. You know, they beat Northwestern 55-7 to seven or something last year. They came out, played well, dominated. But, you know, Northwestern is so up and down. I mean, yeah. the year before Purple that, Vandy. Northwestern was in the Big Ten Championship. So you just don't know what you're going to get with them. But if they can just start there, then they have North Dakota, not North Dakota State, just North Dakota, then Georgia Southern, and then Oklahoma comes to Lincoln. That's going to be the big game. So – if the Huskers can start 3-0, and win those, that Northwestern game, those two non-con games before Oklahoma comes into town, Oklahoma will probably be ranked still at that point. I don't know if Oklahoma is really even going to be that good next year. Yeah, I think that's I mean, a game. perfect time to beat them. Yeah. Yes, perfect time exactly. to beat them down, too. That'd be so them. fun. Yeah, Frost can get his first like big win, maybe a top 20, top 15. I, I have no clue what Oklahoma is going to be ranked. So, But I assume they will be ranked somewhat high. So if you can do that, if the Huskers start off 4-0, and I mean, I'm not saying they will because they haven't proven that to me yet. Was the Illinois loss last year? Yeah, it was the first oh, game of the year, and it was ball. just disgusting. But here's the thing. It's like, obviously I say this knowing that the Huskers didn't close on a lot of these games, and I'm hoping that a change in Special a lot of things. I mean, we cha- we changed so many things. I mean, getting Mark Whipple from Pitt to come be the offense coordinator, that's huge. Obviously, Casey Thompson's big. You got Anthony Grant, who was a JUCO running back that was originally a Florida State coming into play. You have a ton of new faces and playmakers coming in. The Huskers, if I look at their schedule, they're – I, I actually don't believe that they're worse than any team they play until the last three games of the season. And I don't even know if I think they're worse than some of those teams. Like you have this, – this schedule is very forgiving, especially compared to last year and the year before. But so after those games I mentioned, those first four, you got Northwestern, Oklahoma. You got Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota – and then you get into the last three, which is Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. 
Like those are teams in Michigan. Yeah, but you're, win you're the first Iowa. nine and see what happens. Huh? <laughs> Which win, win all the first nine and then just see, yeah, see exactly. where it happens. I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. Like if I look at this schedule, I'm thinking we're better than th- those first nine games. We are better than them, but we just haven't proven that we can win any of them yet. So the we'll Oklahoma game, Oklahoma game seems like a tipping point, you know? Yeah. Like win that one and the season could tip to a really good and maybe or lose it and it's like uh oh you know we're in trouble again well and that's how i felt actually about the illinois game last year that first game of the season i was like if we could just start off one and oh and then you play your non-conference get a couple quick wins just the feeling of being three and oh or whatever versus uh two and one or one and whatever they started off as one and two whatever it's just a whole different ball game you're not in panic mode you're cruising, you're feeling good, you're doing everything right. I don't know, because just so many of those games we just choked away. And it was obviously special teams was a glaring issue last year. I mean, we lost, Frost came out, and I think he said he said two games were a direct result of special teams. And I honestly think you could probably say four games were a direct result of special teams. So they went out and got a good special teams coordinator that had been there before. So we'll see. I'm excited. I think – at the very least, Husker fans need Frost to win six or seven games. But it's also you're in that situation where, hey, you were uh, uh, like one – you were a, a football away or whatever, a special teams blunder away last year from winning a lot of games. Yeah. Realistically. I feel like that seven, seven win she, season should have come last year or the year before, honestly. Well, it doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. I mean, you kept you kept him, so it's like if he wins six or seven games, you're definitely not going to get rid of him now because that's doubling your win total more than doubling your win total from the year before. So, but at the same time, you're in a position where okay, you could actually win more games than that if you truly have like it's like they were right on the line, and if you if you get over that line it's a whole different ball game. Like you're, you're right at the difference of being a good to great team or a bad to really good team. Like if you can just make some kind of jump. And I think, I I mean, it's all going to come down to this Casey Thompson kid from Texas. If he can play, if he's really good, if he's all he's cracked up to be, then you're going to win. I mean, I could see them winning eight or nine games. I'm not saying they will because I can't like they haven't had a winning season in a few years. So I'm excited. I think no matter what, I think the Huskers finally do get to a bowl game. Uh, so I, I'll go ahead and throw a prediction out there. I'll say seven and five and just see what happens. Let the chips fall where they may on that. And I think Husker fans, I don't know if they would necessarily be super happy. I think it would kind of be a, a moment of relief finally. Like, okay, we're finally like doing something. It looks like we're on the right track. Let's keep this going. So exciting to say the least. I think I'll have a much better idea once I see the spring game and kind of see how the quarterbacks and new running backs have panned out and how they look playing in the offense and to see what Mark Whipple's doing with the offense. Cause I think they will be kind of throwing the ball around a lot. Obviously he had Kenny Pickett over there at Pitt, So he had a big playmaker to use in that offense. So hopefully he can do the same thing. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. Um, y'all want to finish out the show here with a little college baseball talk. Definitely do it. Um, Talk I definitely town. have a lot to say about the Tennessee yeah. Volunteers. Uh, we are number one unanim- unanimously across every poll, 23 and one. Um, and 
I want to see here. What did we outscore uh, Ole Miss? I'm pulling it up. Yeah, outscored them 26 to 7. Number one Ole Miss uh, on the road. That's insane. I mean, that's unheard of in college baseball to just sweep and destroy a number one team like that. So all that crap. Uh, I did think it was funny when Lane Kiffin came out. I I thought it was funny when he threw the golf ball uh, out as a first pitch. I thought that was uh, that was pretty funny. Nice little dig at us uh, after last year when the absolute atrocity that happened in Neyland Stadium, a game that should have been, I mean, that Tennessee won, that uh, literally the referees called uh, back a touchdown that I had never seen before in a way that I had never seen before. But that's all besides the point. We whooped them. Um, really excited about, we've got Vanderbilt this weekend um it's here in nashville unfortunately i will be out of town i will be in st louis for work uh a little quick fact about st louis shout out albert pujols shout out he's back he's back baby uh so uh, going for one one final round uh going up there for work but uh i'll be in st louis to welcome albert pujols back into town uh hopefully get to see some family as well because my dad is uh from st louis so Excited uh, to be up there, and man, we just got an exciting weekend of baseball ahead of us. And this this Vanderbilt team is tough. They're top ten every year. Um, our only loss is to Texas, who we lost to in the College World Series last year. That was really unfortunate. Couldn't get our revenge. Uh, but this Vanderbilt, I mean, this is the 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 full on test here. If we go win two out of three games, win this series, Vols are going to Omaha again. <laughs> i hope so yeah the balls are hot it's good it's a good yeah, time to Arkansas, be a ball but but don't look too two. yeah you yeah, you, you gotta look right two. behind you the Razorbacks <laughs> right, are right there with the you door. we're not 23 and one i'll tell you that we've lost we've lost quite a few games but ain't lost the series yet games. we're yeah. five and one in the sec so far so that's good um and kentucky we kicked the crap out of kentucky it actually looked a lot better this weekend so um anyway yeah pretty good start you know right where we need to be right where we need to be the Vols are a little they're a little ahead right now but we'll see we'll see where when it comes to Omaha that's fun it's exciting to have uh because at this point I mean there's so much SEC play to be left and and every team is so oh, good yeah. in the SEC so like you you got to stay on your game the whole time but that keeps you sharp for you know postseason then you're ready to go yeah, you're ready to go. So it's fun. It's amping up. Weather's getting good. Baseballs are start flying a little farther out of the park. You know, it gets a little warmer here. Start hitting some more home runs. Uh, start having some big crowds and big weekends. We got Mississippi State this weekend, which is always really fun. Uh, should have some massive, massive crowds and and uh, get the good vibes flowing. Hopefully, Hogs keep winning and playing good. Their their bats are starting to come around. See, that's where Tennessee's been just mauling the ball. I mean, literally yeah. hammering it. Uh, uh, we're leading Division One in, uh, like, almost every single hitting category. It's insane. What do we have? Do we have, like, how many home runs does Tennessee have? Uh, let me pull it's like this like 60-something. 60, so I believe 64. Like, like, Arkansas is number two in the country. Not in home runs. Like, we're not number two in home runs, but just as a team. And we have 20, like, four. Yeah, it, it's been like uh, unprecedented, basically, um, what Tennessee has been able to do. We've got, holy cow. So one, two, three, 
four, five players with double digit home runs. I mean, that is it's crazy. That's crazy. Insane. We'll see. I mean, they they've kept it up in SEC play too so far too, which is, I mean. Ever, you know, that was kind of the everyone's like, oh, you know, they hit a ton of home runs and they're little because Lindsey Nelson is a little bit. I mean, it's just, 10 feet, 10 yeah, feet but smaller it's, than old. But it, but I mean, that, it is that a little, it's, it, it's, it's a, yeah, it makes a difference for sure. Yeah. But, but then they just kept absolutely just hammering the ball everywhere else. So, like, it doesn't seem to be, uh, it seems to just be that they're very good. And Ole Miss's players were so funny and just digging them themselves in an Dude. even bigger hole by just being like, Idiots. Oh, like, you know, oh, we, we just weren't prepared. Seriously. Yeah. Well, that's on you and that's on your coach. That makes your coach look so bad. Oh, you can't get up and you can't get excited. You can't get prepared for an SEC weekend series. Forget that this team's in the top five. Like you can't get ready to play, a you know, an SEC team in, you know, you yeah, only get so many weekends a year. You know, early in the season, too. Like when you're hype, like you're playing baseball, like get yeah. excited. Like it just kicked off. Let's go. Yeah. Know? Then you just took a massive L and then you just look so look so much worse. Yeah. But you uh, literally just say like, look, they got the best of us today. We'll come back tomorrow. But don't say, oh, we just weren't prepared. Yeah, you know, that's we didn't get so ourselves dumb. up and hype like we weren't hype enough. Oh, that's on you. OK, that makes you a loser. That's literally why you like, OK, <laughs> that's why you lost. Son. Yeah. What do you mean? Don't get up for a top five team in the country. Uh, we do have 64 home runs, by the way. Uh, I did want to confirm that stat real quick. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. That's total just dumb move on that pitcher's part. I can't no. – I'm not even going to go look up his name. He's irrelevant. Well, and one of them – I think it was him who came out after that first game and basically guaranteed a win for the yeah, next day. Yeah, he said, and that they well, would... I guarantee you we win. And then we whooped him again yeah, by 10 like... runs. <laughs> Hey, there, runs, it's a like shame double digit run day there's no uh no hogs involved this year in the regular yeah, season no series that's kind of unfortunate that is but, unfortunate that would have that would have been a good excuse to yeah uh, that would have been so hype make a yeah, little but, road trip or something uh well you got uh an excuse to go up to knoxville this tuesday and if you uh take a little pto the vols are playing lipscomb in baseball, <laughs> uh, your two alma maters there. It'd be uh, a Not battle. Two, just one. Battle, just... battle for the ages. <laughs> yeah, you, you went to Tennessee for a year. It counts. Yeah, I didn't graduate from there, though. <laughs> well, I'm, count, I'm counting you. You're a VFL. Come on. I am a VFL. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I have no. I had no idea where you were going with that. I was like, why do I have an excuse to go to Tennessee? But, yeah, no, I, I got to go to some, some uh, Tennessee baseball games. I did. I just looked at the ticket prices for they this weekend in Vandy. Dude, they're 150 to 200 bucks. It's insane. What it, basically how the ticket prices have turned right around. I was uh, lucky enough to get uh, some tickets at the Arkansas game last year, Seth, uh, that you probably remember pretty well. The walk off from Max Ferguson. Um, that was legendary. And I mean, if you've been in Lindsey Nelson, um, and I know we were talking about Vanderbilt prices here, but if you've been in Lindsey Nelson when it's rocking, it was sold out. I mean, it feels like you're in Neyland Stadium. It was, I mean, it was insane. And finally, the SEC has started selling beer in stadiums too, which definitely helps the fans get loosened up a little bit um, and lets, uh, lets those legends of Lindsey Nelson get a little riled up and uh, get some trouble to that first baseman. So it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be a fun year. Tough schedule ahead of us, just like every other SEC team, uh, but a uh, bright future for the Vols and Hawks. 
How often do we get to talk about the hogs and balls and we're actually the top like two yeah, programs in the country? Two. That's pretty awesome. freaking awesome. Yeah. That's something to be excited about. I know. Me and Omaha, I guess. That's, I hope that's so. all. That would be amazing. That I think I may awesome. actually just run down to run down to West End this Friday night, go to Satco or something, then just walk by the stadium and see if I can get in there somehow. You could, I guarantee, yeah, you scalp a find, ticket yeah. for cheap. Wait, is outfield, outfield, go sit in the outfield. Yeah, go sit in yeah. the outfield. You you could even wait for the wait for the second inning. Find some guy who's sneak in through Memorial Gym. Sneak in through Memorial Gym. Go out the back door. Yeah, right into the concourse where I mean, it's connected. Yeah. I might try to do it. <laughs> you can get you know, it also that stadium. That stadium has has uh has places. Man. Yeah, I've been. Yeah, just yeah. don't get arrested. We need you for nah. the pod. <laughs> you, boys, you know it starts a week from a uh, week from tomorrow as well, don't don't you? What starts a week from tomorrow? April. Masters. Oh, Masters. Oh, duh. No. Oh wait, no. They're close. <laughs> that might be better. I actually, I don't know. The when Nashville the, Sounds kick off oh, their the Nashville Nashville Oh, yeah, that is true. Nashville play baseball, baby. I don't know if we'll talk a whole lot about the Sounds. Welcome to the, the show. Fun, hey, it's a we, fun stadium. For we need to go have a live pod from the, from the Sounds game. It is a fun game. place to be. Yeah, if we, could, if we could set it up, go sit and get a catch good, the, yeah. Catch the sounds of the so – go, so go sit in the berm and just put up a microphone and just – Kind of, kind of have a pod. We should, going. we should do some live interviews with, uh, with sounds fans. I think that's what yeah. we should do. Some, yeah. uh, some live interviews on Instagram. See, uh, see how the Nashville, see how the Nashville fans are feeling. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. No, yeah. Okay, guys. Uh, anything else we want to cover before we uh, send it off? Good. Go Hogs. Go Vols. Go Vols. All right, guys. <laughs> go, thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out, social media, Twitter at Pater underscore sports, on Instagram at Pater Sports. Check out the website, PaterSports.blog. Have all the updates and everything you need on there. Uh, remember, we're part of the Six Pack Coverage Network, sixpackcoverage.com. Check them out. Food, travel, fitness, obviously sports as well. Anything you need, really, they've got it. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter as well at, at Six Pack Coverage. Guys, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Hey, Dirt, out. Let's go.